This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris you know, I noticed a very familiar pattern lately in terms of the conversations that I'm having with people, which I'm finding goes on a lot. You know, I actually get tired of talking sometimes. Not so much like this with the podcast. I don't like small talk. You know, I just like the chitter-chatter. I like to talk about something a little more meaningful. Not that everything's going to be, like, you know, super philosophical. But anyway, as I talk to people which seems to be a broader circle, I guess I'm saying, that I might otherwise uh, like to support. And I find people being more chatty than ever today, which is probably a reflection of me being a great listener, very empathetic, I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> maybe not, but it could be one of the reasons. And uh, it really makes me wonder why, either way, people find the need to go on and on about certain things. And you ever find people, they repeat things? There's some repetition can be good. Well, you just said it. I got it the first time. I didn't need you to repeat it to me. Do you forget that you just said it? That could be the case. I think that happens to me. I'm probably repeating things still. My father would say, you already told me that story twice. Oh, well, I'm glad you're keeping track. It's funny. I can't even remember that I told you the story. You've got like a concise count on it. He would tell you as a photographic memory. Anyway, what are we doing? I'm loosening up a little bit here. Uh, it's Friday. Actually, uh, Thursday night for me, this will post for the Friday podcast. I don't know how many people actually listen to it when it posts. I'm here. um, This is not a repost of the podcast that I screwed up yesterday. This is uh, actually a remake of that podcast, I guess you could say. Uh, I'm going to, you know, go through the same notes that I did yesterday to talk about what I want to talk about here. This Howard Stern story being kind of central to that. He just came out and exposed a lot of what I've been trying to tell people. And it's kind of funny what a phony he's been uh, in terms of, I'm the king of all media, and and his whole shock jock thing, you know, uh, when he was on terrestrial radio, where it was against the rules to be the bad boy, and he's the bad boy, I'll do what I want. And, um, you know, the networks got sued and this and that, and they finally fired him. He wouldn't follow the rules. Now he's on, uh, you know, the satellite radio. There's really no rules. I don't think. Maybe there is. I could be wrong. I think you have a lot more freedom on that. But instead, now he's, oh, I live and die by the words of my boss. That's not his words. I'll share his words with you, and you can decide for yourself. He goes from the bad boy to the total nerd that he really is. Whoever fell for this? It was so funny to me. You know, I think he convinced himself that he was, like, uh, sexy, charming. It's like, dude, you, <laughs> you fell into a situation. And I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying the guy didn't work hard. I'm not saying he doesn't have a, I guess you'd say, a skill for attracting a crowd. Lots of nonsense uh, does. Look at Jerry Springer. He was very popular, too. Does that make it good? No. Stern is a complete schmuck, always has been. And I'm not saying that he hasn't made me laugh a time or two. He certainly has. There was a time that I actually considered myself, and I wouldn't call it a fan, but I listened to Howard Stern. Some of the things that he said and did that I I liked. 
But the fart jokes, uh, the you know, the spotty foul language purely for the bad boy effect, it just didn't really work for me. One, it didn't seem authentic, but you know, even at the ripe old age of, uh, well, I guess it would have been high school, 16, 17, my early 20s coming home from the Marine Corps listening to Howard Stern around that range. Even at that ripe old rage, fart jokes just weren't a big thing. You know, they were funny. They always are for guys, you know. Even at 52, fart jokes are funny. They always are. But, you know, not not the over and over and over. Not with the same frequency as when we were 10. How's that? At least we evolve a little bit. So uh, Stern just couldn't move beyond that. The whole look, you know, with the nose and the hair, it's like, dude, you're a nerd, a complete nerd in every way, right? I'm the king of all media. <clears throat> the king of nothing. King of nothing. And he admits it. The king of his own imagination, maybe, which I'm sure he has a great imagination, too. Anyway, we'll get into that a little bit more. Let's try and keep it a little upbeat here for a little bit, shall we? There's not a lot of good news in the world. I want, I want to be, a, I want to be a, in the spirit of uh, inspiration, bringing... Uh, encouraging people, not bringing people down. Um, so one of the things I, I was thinking about leading up to this, really amazing to me, how quickly things are changing. Man, you know, the way people live, act, um, you know, what is now acceptable publicly, privately, um, the discussions, the, the way things are done in this country, around the world, the technology to um, things are changing very, very quickly. And, uh, you know, many people have talked about this many times. There's terms, I think, for some of these things even. Um, I don't know what they are. Uh, but the point is that it was really no surprise that this period of change was coming, right? That's the point I was trying to make. It really wasn't a surprise that this was going to happen or is happening or whatever. And they say more to come at an even faster rate. Like, how does that happen exactly? I believe that to be true because I, I don't want to get too far into it right now. It's just a little too deep uh, for the end of the week. But, you know, I talked about the, uh, you know, assessing data points and now how that's become automated. And now they're layering in AI. And it's going to be combined with video and text. And you're going to be able to do things with it that are just going to be amazing. The AI that you're seeing today is like... Uh, you know, the pixelated green screens of the early days of computing. I kid you not. It has a long, long way to go. It'll probably take years to do that, by the way. It's not going to happen overnight. Anyway, lots and lots of change. It just appears that there's going to be more coming, and it really wasn't a surprise. But what is still very surprising to me um, is the types of changes like I didn't expect the transgender thing to be a thing maybe we missed maybe the signs were there and we just missed the cues along the way Uh, everywhere I go now I see gay men Uh, maybe that's a good thing right love who you love be happy they don't look happy to me though I, I don't recall ever seeing a gay couple that looked happy um, I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just telling you it's my observation. But really just the frequency of it, even the number of gay men out there is a huge increase. And I asked myself about that. I said, you know, is it, is it, were they, was it that percentage that were always gay that there was this pent-up gay frustration? And I don't say that to be funny. 
I guess it is kind of funny in a sense, but you know, was there? Is that what led to the whole coming out movement? Like, hey, by the way, 30% of men are gay. What? You know, what if you found that out to be true? Has that just been artificially suppressed? What if it's even higher? I doubt it. I would be surprised if it's 30%. I don't know if Clay's list. Clay, what do you know? Does he? Do you know? Maybe there's an answer to this. Why am I asking you like you're supposed to know? Uh, percentage. Let's ask Oz. Percentage of gay men. Let's see. No internet. All right. Well, I guess we're not doing that. I don't know what's going on in the studio today. We had internet. Uh, but right now, we do not. <laughs> so uh, Oz can't help us. Wow. That's never happened before. I'm a little embarrassed. What if we paid the bill? That could be part of the problem. We've been a little behind on our payments. But, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm looking for a donation. I'm completely kidding. Um, uh, I don't know what's going on. Maybe something with the router. But anyway. Uh, I don't know what percentage of men are gay. Maybe it's always been that way. Maybe that's what led to the coming out movement. But it, it, to me, I don't think so. I think it's maybe, what, you know, 5 3% of the population that's gay. The number that truly have some kind of um, issue with the XY chromosomes and, um, you know, uh, gender uh, issues biologically. What's the term? Uh, her- hermaphrodite. I don't know this uh, science very well. But th- there is a percentage that's... Um, not really male or female, you'd say, right? And I think it's about 3% typically. You know, maybe that moves up or down, 5%. It's consuming everything we're doing at this point. That's what's surprising to me. The type and scale of it, right? It's one thing. So, you know what? You would have said to me, you know, in, in uh, 1988 when I graduated high school or uh, 1992 when I got out of the Marine Corps, you said, you know what, Chris? Yeah, believe it or not, by the time you're 50, there's going to be gay marriage, and uh, you know men are going to you know freely be able to become women. And I think I remember this being talked about back then. I think things were going on with the gender back then. It wasn't you know, it wasn't completely uh, out of the realm then, but it did exist, right? And I think it always has to some degree. Yeah, typically, men, but sometimes women too, that struggle with their gender identity, I guess, or become uh, somehow misled or, or warped in their thinking or whatever label you would put on that. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not trying to be rude. Um, but were they, you know, it's some dysphoria or whatever you call it, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but if you would have said to me, Chris, by the time you're 50, gay marriage and transgenderism is going to become acceptable, I would have been shocked. If you would have told me that it's going to be everywhere you turn, I would not have believed it. I would have been more than completely shocked. I mean, after all... It is 2023. We thought the year 2000 was the future. How wrong could we have been? Think about how things are changing now. Even going back just 23 years ago, 2000, technology way behind. There was no social media, not big like it uh, was recently, right? Didn't happen that way. So that's 2000 to 2023. Big, big change. But even the, the real change, I think, has been in the last five years, really. You know, uh, and that's about how long I've been doing the podcast, a little over five years. Crazy. That's really, you know, and I don't know, you could go back, I guess. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, I don't think the transgender thing was nearly as hot. I don't think so. I don't know, but I, I don't think it can be stopped at this point, this uh, era of change, short of an all-out war, divine intervention. 
I see the country. We're now a complete uniparty. Uh, you should just everybody become Democrats. It really would be better. It really would be better if every, all the Republicans just joined the Democrat Party or became independent, one of the two. Probably join the Democrat Party and just run it as one party. They could do away. We wouldn't need campaign finance reform because it would all be done by the party. It would all be done in-house. You really would need the <clears throat> same kind of campaigning. At least we would know what we're dealing with. Now you don't know who to blame. So don't tell me it wouldn't be a better option than what we're dealing with now. No parties. That's what I've argued. Why is there a party? I don't know. Do away with the whole thing. Anyway, I don't know why I got off on that tangent. A lot has changed. It's continuing to change. Civil rights, civil liberties, constitutional rights, economic freedom, and probably even property ownership uh, heavily, heavily under assault from many different angles, foreign and domestic. Crazy period. And I don't think it can be stopped, short of something crazy. The last uh, option for this crossroads, and I want to mention something real quick. Back in 2020, I believe it was, might have been early 2021, but it was uh, after the election, before the inauguration, there was a lot of talk about civil war in this country, and I was not happy about that. And I felt that it was a high probability. Matter of fact, I really kind of expected it was going to happen. I was a little surprised that there wasn't uh, more mayhem, really. You know, to see an election stolen like that in plain view was amazing how peaceful people really are to be continued to be criticized for it. It's pretty amazing, really, especially as you find out more and more of the truth. But anyway, uh, I didn't believe that a civil war was a good idea then or now. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked about this many times. I mean, this is not a north-south issue. Anything. Even if uh, Pennsylvania is completely split within itself. It's all Republican except for uh, Philadelphia and, and Pittsburgh. And really the best thing people could do at this point is uh, move to rural areas. Get away from the whole thing. I'm probably going to have to get out into more of a rural area at some point. But anyway, all this trampling, uh, it's not going to change. I don't think it can be stopped. The last option for that right now, I think, for this crossroads, well, let me finish my story. Um, Tipping Point. I did this series. There's talk of civil war. And I did this series, Tipping Point. Some of you would remember. It was, I think it was four parts, four, four days in a row. And it was really uh, incredible content for the time. And it was getting an incredible amount of traffic. And so was the, I wrote some information about it. So there was uh, four different blog posts, which I posted on a page on the website. There was more traffic at that time on the website, <laughs> which is now right about zero. More traffic on the website than there currently are listens on the podcast. Now, that could be because of the number of times I posted the wrong podcast. <laughs> People just got tired of that and left. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway, I did this series, and it was wildly popular, Tipping Point. And my argument then was Tipping Point 2020 or Tipping Point USA, something like that, Tipping Point 2020. I said, we're at a crossroads. I said, if we don't pull back now, we're going to surely lose the opportunity. I think right now there may be one last chance to – Get a handle on this and and pull it back, restructure, rebuild. And that's through this debt ceiling. If they don't rein in the debt, this is turning to sheer panic and desperation on a national scale. 
you got to understand that. The government is desperately printing money, desperately clinging to pushing more money out there for this economic growth. The federal government accounts for 30% of the GDP. I don't have this uh, available right now. I don't know what the GDP is. But I wonder what all governments are in terms of the percentage of GDP. It's huge. Biggest employers, government. What difference is there between us and China? Uh, people maybe lose sight of that. I'm not sure what the difference is myself. But I did that series, and I made the point that we're, we're at a crossroads. I said, soon we're not going to have an option anymore. And here we are with this, with this debt ceiling. And if they can't rein it in now, it's foundational to everything else. The transgender movement only exists because of the printing of money. What am I talking about? Let me say that, Chris. If we were struggling to survive, we wouldn't be talking about this topic. I'm being kind today. Didn't say what was on my mind. We wouldn't. But there's so much money floating around. The government has unlimited tired about it. Oh, I should be able to be who I want to be. You pay for it. And there's running out of people to pay for it, among other problems. Uh, so, you know, we're at a tipping point. We're at a tipping point. Um, and if it doesn't, if it doesn't get reined in now, uh, I think that the path becomes much, much worse. I, I keep my prediction. I think it's going to be slow, steady decline. You know, there's some simple parables in life. One is that. Often things need to be torn down in order to be rebuilt. You know, if you think of a forest fire, it's a tragic event, violent, really, fire ripping through the forest, burning, incinerating everything in its path. Beast or, or uh, animal or, or plant, all of it burnt down. But somehow these seeds survive and it begins to come back and it creates a, a new life and it's a beneficial process to the land as a whole. It's, it's part of the circle of, of life, of evolution, I guess. I don't know. But the rebuilding process doesn't start until the demolition is done. The fire has to burn, burn everything completely. The smoke clears and the fire cools down. And then only after a while does the rebuilding begin. And I think this country, our society, really is still in the demolition stage. Uh, this isn't what it was in 1950. Not at all. <laughs> and, you know, 1970 was trouble. So let me see if I can tie this together. Uh, first of all, I'll tell you this. Jerry Springer uh, died um, 79 years old, <laughs> who helped pioneer the genre of confrontational daytime television. Oh, man. What? <laughs> pioneer the genre of crap TV. Amazing. A lawyer, a politician, and at the end of the day, made a lot of money watching ridiculous people treat each other in ridiculous ways, and and somehow people find it entertaining. And it is a little entertaining, you know. I'll give them credit. 
where credit's due, I find myself once in a while tuning into a little Jerry Springer. Yeah, for about 15 seconds, and I shake my head and move on. But it's funny for 15 seconds. Sometimes. Maybe not. So, let me share this uh, Howard Stern story here with you a little bit. Oh, man. Now, because of the internet problem, we can't pull up those notes. You're not going to get me this time because I got my back up here. So, this was from, uh, I don't know, I guess it's Mediate, M E D I A I T E. Mediate? That's the blog. I don't talk uh, from this blog very much, but every once in a while something comes through. And this was kind of interesting. Howard Stern was uh, discussing the Tucker Carlson departure from Fox News, I guess you would say. Did anybody see the Tucker Carlson video on Twitter? I thought he handled it pretty well. I can't remember what he said, I'd tell you. Uh, But he seems to be enjoying himself. There's another guy who made a lot of money. He said, eh, I'm out of here. Maybe he was toxic to his coworkers, by the way. It wouldn't surprise me. Many of these people are so well-liked on TV, which really has to be troublesome to the people that are being abused in the background, right? Um, Like, uh, what's his name? That uh, producer, Harvey Weinstein. Can you imagine how the women that this guy being paraded around like he was some kind of hero? So anyway, Stern, you know, I gave you the whole, you know, prelude to this and my experience and feelings about Stern. I just really became kind of meaningless to me. You know, you have like, um, you know, I guess uh, artists and stuff on this, uh, on his show there. And um, they were putting some videos out on, on Facebook back in the day when I was on Facebook. So I would check it out once in a while, a little bit on there. I just couldn't get into it. Seemed way too sterilized. You know, he went from the dirty bad boy that you could kind of relate to, right? The flannel shirt. That was that whole 80s punk Look, I guess. I don't know. That was his thing. Whatever. But it was kind of cool then. You know, he did, he did kind of fit that. He did. He built that. He built that image. He created this, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, personification. I mean, maybe it really was him. I don't know. Maybe it really is like that. Um, but anyway, he was able to, you know, build a character from it and create an audience. And he was shocking enough to get in the news and shocking enough to get fired ultimately. But, you know, it was pretty good back in the day, I thought. Uh, like I said, the, the fart jokes and the, and the you know, perfectly placed uh, curse words, you know, just to create a problem for the radio or whatever, you know, create this um, shocking image. There you go. Stern was the pioneer of the shock jock. I think the little doubt. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Anyway, he got so big, and he was, you know, calling himself the king of media. So now he's weighing in on politics. And I'll never remember him weighing in on politics. I could be wrong. It's not like I would remember. But he starts talking about uh, uh, um, Tucker Carlson. And um, he says, you know, um, it could be a lot of reasons why they let him go. Um, But he said, you know, ego might be the issue. And he goes on. He's, he's pointing this out in detail in the in the article, uh, which is kind of quoting what he was saying. I didn't listen to it firsthand. But he says, uh, you need to understand the importance of knowing your place as an employee, especially when you're working for wealthy people like Rupert Murdoch. Listen to what he's saying. 
He talks about his own uh, time and experience uh, pushing management too far, getting fired. And he says, look, you know, you got to realize you're a worker bee. I'm a worker bee. And he says, you can't in, in, uh, forget the hierarchy of the workplace. He says, you can't let your ego get in the way. And he said, not even the money. And he's like, you know, of course, he has to say, I make a lot of money. But I got to realize that the guy ahead of me makes a gigaton of money or whatever he said. And then he made this statement here. <laughs> this was really mind-blowing, really, to go from the king of media uh, to a, really a guy with, um, I don't know, no self-respect to even say this. He said, guys like Bill O'Reilly, Tucker Carlson, the thing they forget that there's they're another brick in the wall. That's what you are. You're a worker bee. I'm a worker bee. He said, you know, they, they pay me well and everything. I don't let it... I don't let it uh, for a minute do I think I'm more important than the man who owns this place. He is my Lord and Savior. And I listened to that and I thought, (laughs) my Lord. To even say that like that, like what kind of man talks like that? Now, I know. I'm sure a sharp guy like Mr. Manly. Do you have any self-respect at all that you would talk about yourself like that? Or that you would even put yourself in that position to prostitute yourself to another man, no less? I'm your boy. I'm your man. I, you know, you're my Lord and Savior. I don't know what kind of, I don't know what kind of deal that is. For me personally, I don't know. I respect myself too much to even. I'd rather just work harder and not have the money. Quite frankly. And like I said, I know, you know, smart guy, like, oh, 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 you don't have the money. <laughs> yeah, you, you can laugh all the way to the bank, dude. But at the end of the day, can, how do you look at yourself in the mirror? I don't know. It, it, can you do it without permission? Hey, boss, am I allowed to look at myself? I don't know. I wouldn't want to do it. But it points out something much more important. And that is something that I've been telling you. And look, I, you know, I can't fault straight. Do what you want to do. He's probably happy as a clam. He's laughing at me, right? <laughs> Good for him. God bless him. I wish him many more. I really do. I don't have a problem with the guy. I really don't care. To me, it's obscene that, you know, this idea that somebody's going to make that kind of money for what he does to sit there and, and you know, be this big liberal and, and keep the money to yourself and, and not give it away to help other people. And what do I know? Maybe he does give it all away. Maybe he's living in the homeless shelter somewhere. I don't think so. But it points out something much more important. Aside from all that, whatever you view as good, bad, right, and wrong, whatever about that, everything that you're getting in broadcast is completely fake. It's all paid for. So whoever's paying for it is going to decide what, what's the truth. This idea of fair and balanced is nonsense. It doesn't exist. Did, did it ever? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I don't know what to say about that. It seemed like it did, at least to some degree, but I'm not sure that it really did since 19-whatever. Not sure that it really did. We've talked about much of this, but he's just admitting it there. This isn't big government. Who do you blame this? This isn't government. It's, he's talking about Rupert Murdoch in this case with uh, Tucker Carlson. You know, who are the people behind the scenes that are you know pulling the – Puppet strings here. Then what are you going to tell me, that Rupert Murdoch is a big liberal? I don't know. 
egos could be? Evil egos of wealthy people fighting each other. Is that a problem in our country? Maybe it's always a problem in itself. But the point being is that what you're listening to for anybody that advertises or sells anything can't be authentic. It can't be the truth. It just can't. Not about everything. You're always going to be censored to some degree. Let me give you a very benign example. Let's just say that I were to um, sell uh, through an affiliate commission um, uh, survival food buckets, right? Long-term food. And what that means, let's just say it's you know ABC Food, and I come on and I say, hey, you know, buy your your food supply from ABC Food, and then, and I think by law you have to disclose. I would say, you know, I, I get paid a commission every time you buy. Thank you for supporting the podcast, something like that. And so when you go there and buy, and I give you a coupon code, you know, use Chris Free Food, <laughs> and um, when you use that, it lets them know that it came as a referral from me. And I get a commission from it. That's called affiliate marketing. You do it with Amazon, say, right? Easy. I think they pay like a 5 or 8% commission. Some of the commissions on affiliate marketing are huge. I've thought about it many times in many different ways. But even if you're going to do something benign like that, that I'm going to sell survival food, well, would I necessarily talk about a story that uh, how bad for your health these uh, long-term food storages? Probably not. <laughs> Why would I do that? Let's say it's a story impacting the food that I'm selling through my affiliate commission. Would they then drop me as an affiliate saying, hey, you can't be out there bad-mouthing the product that, you know, we're, and we're going to pay you? Could you blame them? That's a, a really minuscule example. Now you say, hey, um, you know, whatever pharmaceutical company is going to run ads on Fox News for their – you know, Cialis or whatever the latest uh, drug is, Pfizer running ads, whatever, you know, spending a, you know, whatever kind of huge ad budget, a million dollars a week or whatever. How about the, um, you know, military companies? Are they buying ads? They are putting money into NPR. I'm going to, I'm going to go into some of that here in a second too. the change of the landscape. Um, but anyway, you're not getting authentic with anybody that's running ads. It's my, the bottom line. Anybody who's giving you a commercial podcast is not giving you the truth. You just need to know that. On some level, it's always censored. You know, some dance around it and they get sponsors that they can deal with the stuff, but it's few and far between. You've got uh, like the No Agenda podcast you hear me talk about. Uh, they're listener supported, so they take donations from their listeners. That's great. You're getting authentic with that. Um, but you can't be real anymore. You can't because they won't let you on the platform. You know, that's what happens to this podcast. Everything gets so shadow banned. They won't let me on social media. Not that they won't let you on. It's worse. They just make it that nobody can see you. They make you invisible, digitally speaking. Um, but I look at not this story specifically, but the whole situation really has me questioning the future of the podcast, which I think I'm evolving a little bit anyway here. Maybe you sense the shift a little bit. I mean, it has to change and adapt. I mean, it's part of the process. It really, I'm changing and adapting. So naturally, the, the podcast is going to change and adapt. And you want to do that to stay relevant, I guess, and to stay interesting. But I want it to be useful, too. Uh, but the other thing, I think, you know, as much as it, I, I get, uh, whatever, depressed, if you will, 
you know, looking at, at the decline and listens, it's across the board. Fox News dropped. Some of them went to Newsmax. But a lot of people are just tuning out of everything. They don't want to hear it anymore. Um, it's just the interest isn't there. People are giving up. Um, it had me really questioning what the future would be. But it also has me realizing how important it is to continue. Because how many people are giving you this kind of insight, this kind of background on this? Nobody. I shouldn't say nobody. But not many. As far as our plight and our future, I want to point something else out to you. You know, when, when, whoever controls the information controls a lot, right? They're very powerful. NPR is another big player, and you've heard Elon Musk speak about this recently. He said defund NPR. I said defund NPR. From a purely mathematical perspective, nothing to do with politics or ideology, with NPR sitting on a three-plus hundred million dollar in, uh, uh, in equity cash, why are we giving them more taxpayer money? I say this about our community college. The community college is bought and paid for sitting on like a hundred million dollars and we continue paying taxes to support it every year. For them to just park these huge sums of money there. And it's those resources are needed in other places. Anyway, NPR. That's the numbers. Why are we supporting it? But let me tell you what NPR is doing. And I'm going to tell you how it's really structured, where the money's really coming from. And you won't find this anywhere either. But I'm going to give it to you straight. An article just came up from NPR the other day. Uh, a new poll, Americans want Abortion restrictions, but not as far as red states are going. I don't want to get into the abortion debate. Just stay with me on the on the on the um, reporting of this. Now they're saying that mm, Americans want abortion restrictions, but not this too crazy. By the way, I would agree with that statement. I do would believe that is probably the popular opinion. But this is a complete 180 from what they've been reporting forever. NPR has been pushing nothing but pro-abortion, pro-abortion, pro-abortion. Recent abortion policies could help sway women voters in the South. That was back in April. As the Supreme Court weighs in on a lower court decision related to, uh, I guess, the abortion drug. How does suburban voters in Texas ground zero for restrictions? Why the 180? Now they're saying, well, people want it. What do you call that when the media, the politicians do a 180? I mean, look, people do change their minds, have a change of heart, but this is not what this is. In my mind, it's pure mind games by design, but it doesn't really matter. You don't have to believe me. No, not NPR, okay? It's just purely garbage media, poorly researched, poorly created, overly edited, and a false conclusion in most cases. Why is it garbage, and where is the money coming from? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it's all liberals running it, and they're creating liberal garbage. Not because they're mean or bad necessarily. It just seems like they want to solve problems that don't exist, create problems where there otherwise not, weren't any. Uh, but let me tell you where the money's coming from, because you know, the way they're reporting it here, where they're saying like 4% comes from the federal government. I'm not going to go through these exact numbers with you. If you want to read it, it's in the show notes. But um, they're reporting, oh, it's just only 4%. But then if you dig into this, 
You also see the list. Do I have it here? Of companies? No, I don't. That have uh, uh, you know put money in NPR. Very telling as well. Um, NPR was going bankrupt. It's this quasi-federal corporation, quasi-government-funded you know, and owned private corporation. They're the worst of all evils, I can tell you that. Unlimited funding, no restrictions, and not bound by a lot of laws or oversight. They do what they want, all controlled by liberals. Ironically aligning with the same ideology that the FBI censored at Twitter, likely at Facebook, and is aligned with the same ideology as all the liberal media, NPR, BBC, PBS. All same exact ideology on every issue. Pro-abortion, anti-Second Amendment, you've heard me talk about this. All the same lineup to the, I don't even call it liberal because I don't think these are liberal uh, 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 perspective. It's some warped, I don't know. It's weird. Like, we don't need to go into that. But anyway, uh, NPR, uh, they lose money every year for some reason, but they also enjoy this uh, broadcasting network that includes a lot of colleges and universities that are pushing out NPR basically for free. Uh, I actually, I think they, and I take that back, they pay NPR to put out their stuff. So the colleges and universities are helping to fund NPR. And most of them happen to be liberal as well. And you say, well, okay, but not taxpayers. Oh, well, you ought to look at how much taxpayer money goes to colleges and universities. I've reported on this in the past. It's been a little while. The last I can remember, about half currently of all college tuitions are already funded by government programs. Half. So half the money going into the colleges and universities uh, is government money. And so then they're uh, paying money to NPR, but not the government money. <laughs> it's all just a big circle. They keep printing, spending, finding ways to spend it. But the point is this. It is government-funded media. Uh, it absolutely is a biased liberal slant. I don't know how the heck you could call it. Oh, no, no, it's more uh, centrist. There's nothing centrist about it. But it's garbage either way. It really should be disbanded. It never should have been created in the first place. Why is it? These things were deemed to be bad. You know, the Soviet Union, these other places where they controlled the media. That was the first step, controlling the media. And it's already happened here. What are you going to do? We're heading into the weekend. Listen, think about yourself. Take care of yourself. Do something to help improve your health, your mood. Get outside. Get a little exercise. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's pretty good. I think a lot of rain here for the next couple of days. It'll be good for the grass that I planted. But God willing, I'll be back soon. I get the right podcast posted. No false alarms. And I'll see you soon. Make it a great day. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.